I'm Lauren Dimmitt Waters. I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who has been covering beauty, fashion, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll unearth what works and what you shouldn't waste your money on. Even if it's crazy, I'll hunt down the latest and greatest to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of Beauty is a Bitch. I am super excited for my guest today because I just finished her wonderful book and we're going to talk all about it. But let me introduce her. Jenna Banks is an entrepreneur, public speaker, author, podcast host, real estate investor, and self-love advocate focused on women's empowerment and gender equality. Her new book is I Love Me More, How to Find Happiness and Success Through Self-Love, and it comes out next week on March 8th. Having survived a traumatic upbringing as well as a nearly fatal suicide attempt, Banks was able to thrive in the business world despite being armed with only a high school equivalency diploma. Early in her career, she worked in management and entrepreneurial roles, producing marketing products for major movie studios in Los Angeles, including Sony Pictures Entertainment, Paramount Pictures, and Warner Brothers. She has also worked in the toy and games industry, including with well-known brands such as Hasbro, Mattel, and Lego. Since selling her company, she's now focused on what she feels is her higher purpose to share her story and her message of empowerment and the incredible importance of self-love with the world through her writing and speaking engagements. Now, before we start speaking, she said, I can do this. I'm going to introduce, just tell you a little bit about her book, which is also going to be really what we're discussing today. So again, the book is called, I Love Me More, How to Find Happiness and Success Through Self-Love. And most women have been programmed to believe that self-love is selfish and that self-sacrifice is a virtue. Many focus their desire for love and wholeness outside themselves onto others, such as their partners, only to feel disappointed that they don't get back what they give. She sets out to crush the myths about how we should relate to ourselves. For a long time, Banks was supreme ruler of the kingdom of I don't deserve that. I think we all know that pretty well. She gave too much of her, to her relationships, allowed the needs and wants of others to trump hers, and generally felt inadequate and inferior. Her years of childhood abuse, emotional neglect, and toxic relationships culminated in a life fraught with self-loathing and self-doubt. After dropping out of high school, attempting suicide, becoming a young mother, and being estranged from her parents, Banks was driven to change the trajectory of her life. She knew she had to learn to love herself and began to engage with self-love as a practical force. What she discovered, however, is that simply loving herself is not the key to overcoming shame and self-sabotage. Jenna details how self-love is nice, but it's not the whole truth. You need to love yourself more, more than your spouse, more than your kids, more than your family, more than your friends, and more than your boss. So we are going to talk about this. Thank you so much for speaking with me, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. I'm so excited for this conversation. So am I, because we, of course, we spoke for like a good half hour and I should have recorded it before. It's <laughs> um, awesome. But I read, I, you know, I, I was, I was telling you that I, you know, got the book and I, I picked it up and I started reading a little bit. I'm like, you know, I'm going to scan through this, uh, yeah. like, like I do with many books before I do a podcast. And I found myself reading it every word with a highlighter, dog earing it. I read Amazing. the entire thing from, I finished it yesterday. 
That's um, awesome. And it was great. And so I have so many questions. Let's, let's, let's start with the first one. And that let's is do it. what made you write this book? I love me more. And what was like your aha moment? Like I need to write a book about this. Yeah. So, um, I actually get into a little bit about that situation in the book and it's, it's so true. I love telling this story because, um, it was really an aha moment. There was mm-hmm. one moment in particular. So I'm, uh, I'm in this situation where I had just broken up with this guy who I was really, really in love with, like so in love with him. Right. And, and, um, we'd been dating for like five months or whatever. Um, but I decided to break up. So I broke my own heart and I was still suffering from the heartache, even a few weeks later, uh, because I was really in love with this guy and I really wanted him to be what I wanted him to be. And I had had all this hope and all of that, but I'm like, he, he's not capable. I can tell he's right. just not, and I'm going to choose myself. So I go to dinner with my good friend who, uh, knew us both and loved us both very much as she, I know going into it, she was thinking, I'm going to get her to change her mind and get back with him because they need to be together. They're just so good together. And so she's like trying to understand why did you break up with this guy? And I'm like, well, because I love me more. I literally said that. And she's like, uh, I don't understand Jenna. What do you mean? And I go, well, I value myself more than anybody else in this entire world. Uh, I value myself more than I value him. And if I'm not getting what I need, I have to value myself enough and leave the situation even though it breaks my heart to do so. And she couldn't understand. The two were just too juxtaposed. Wait, you love him, but you'd rather hurt and walk away. I just don't understand. It didn't click. But she had asked me more throughout the evening and I did my very best. I thought, oh my goodness. How do, okay, let me explain this to you. Because for me, it was a no brainer at that point, but she didn't get it. So I kept telling her, you know, all the things that I could to, I was like, I'd never had to really explain that before. So weeks later, she calls me and I didn't know this, but she'd been thinking about it so much. She just was trying to make sense of this because she knew I was very convicted. Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay, I can't convince her. Let me try to understand Jenna. She's like, calls me. She's like, oh my God, Jenna, I get it. I get it. Like, I was in this relationship with this guy that I just broke up with because I wasn't valuing myself enough by allowing the treatment that he was, the way he was treating her, the lack of value that she felt, Mm -hmm. all the anxiety that that relationship was causing her. She's like, I wasn't valuing myself by allowing this in my life. And she's like, it was almost like I saw myself as this third party. Like I, I was this third party, not valuing myself. Right. And she's like, that is so powerful. So powerful. She's like, I've been talking to my friends about it. And we've all been saying how like this whole, they called it, I love me more. And I was like, whoa, this whole thing got created out of this one conversation. So she goes, you know what, Jenna? And this was the moment she says, it'd be really helpful to understand how you got there. How did you get to this place where you are today? And she goes, you know, if you could think about it and just get back to me on that. And I was like, okay, I'll do that for you. You know? And, and so I'm a, I like to help people. And I was like, how can I, how can I break this down for her? So I started journaling and I realized, oh my God, this was a long journey to get to this point. And I had a lot of hurdles to overcome. There were a lot of really hard fought battles, right. uh, internal battles that got me to this place. And I was taking for granted all that I had done to get myself there. And if I could unwrap that for one person, what if I could do that for many more, you know? And she gave you the title of your book. Yeah. Gave me the title of the book. 
That's awesome. No, it's great. It's, it's really good because, you know, I think that, well, this brings me to my next question. So here's what I was going to say. How can you love yourself more than anyone else without seeming like a narcissist? See, that's the, that's the question. And I'm sure you get asked this all the time because there's a difference between self-love and narcissism. Well, the difference is breaking down what narcissism actually is. And same thing with selfishness too, right? For example, selfishness, the definition is to, uh, to do something at the expense of somebody else, right? Loving yourself is not at the expense of somebody else. And narcissists, it was, I, I go into detail about that too. It's a, a really important to understand what a narcissist is. Narcissists lack empathy. They have an overinflated sense of who they are over grandioso ego. It's all about them. Uh, they'll tear people down to make themselves look, but there's, there's a whole yeah. definition of narcissist. So Loving yourself more is not narcissistic. No one's ever accused me of being a narcissist. Actually, the only one who accused me of being selfish was my mother because she was used to me, people pleasing, having no boundaries. And when I started to stand up for myself, oh, I got the accusations of you're selfish. Well, actually, the person who accuses you of being selfish is the one that's selfish because if they want to modify your behavior for their needs, they're the selfish Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, I just, I was reading this, you know, I, I hear women like right now. So the thing that really ticks me off is people talk about like self-care, self-love mm-hmm. and, you know, and self-care to them or self-love is like, you know, treating yourself to a massage, getting yourself a manicure. I'm like, no, yeah. that's, that's self-care. That's, that's self-care. self-care. Right. Yeah. That's self, that's self-care. That's not self-love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, you're, you're talking about like, it's a whole way of thinking. It's the whole it's like a whole framework. Basically. It's a whole framework. And, and it is a, it, life. right. Yeah. It's a framework. And I give it, I give it as a framework. You uh, if you want, I'm going to, I don't know if you got to dive into that while you're reading the book or like if it stood out to you, cause we all take certain things. I read books multiple, multiple times. Oh yeah. I'm really into it because um, I'll get something different. Yeah, sure. Time, right. It depends on our state of mind, but I don't know if this, this kind of caught your attention when you're reading it, but I have this framework. It is actually a framework. It's called the power container. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. I did. And, Go ahead. And I mean, if you, if you only listen to this podcast and never pick up the book, I hope you will remember this framework because it can serve you really well. This was the framework that I came to understand for myself on my own, right? I just learned it through trial and error, but this is, and I was able to break it down in this very simple framework. So imagine yeah. you have this power container that rests in your soul. It goes from like the bottom of your stomach to like the top of your chest. So you imagine this thing that harnesses your power, it holds the power within you, and either you're filling up with your power, which is also your love. So I have a saying, your love is your power, right? We can give our power away to everyone else, which is what most of us women have been conditioned and raised to do. Give, 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 give love, give love, give love to everyone else but ourselves, because if we give it to ourselves, it's selfish or narcissistic, right? So so we learn to disempower ourselves by never giving it to ourselves. When you give your love to yourself, you fill up your power container and you can actually feel it. It's your own power, your own energy. You feel it. You feel what that feels like. So for example, let's say you say no to somebody when you're used to people pleasing, or you, you cut off a bad friendship that is just been toxic in your life. It feels great. That's how you know 
that you're on the right path for you. You feel your power container feeling, filling up with this energy. And like, that's your signal that you're doing the right thing for you when you feel it in your power container and it feels good. The opposite is true too. We all know what it feels like when our boundaries are being crossed. We feel that it feels icky. It feels like you're being drained. Drained, draining. Draining, right? So we have these drains in our life and that's, I go into the drains and the things that power us up in the book. That really can be your compass. Go with your power container. That's it. Forget about the social norms. Forget about what society tells you to do. Forget about, oh, I should keep this person in my life because I've known them since high school or they're my parents or whatever. Who cares about the rules? Your power container tells you everything you need to know if you're filling up and you're retaining your power because then you can give to everyone else from this overflow. So the idea is you want to be on power full, F-U-L-L, right? We want to be powerful as women. We're taught to not be powerful. We're taught, we actually, most women through my research, I found that women are averse to the idea of power. Mm -hmm. We actually find it as a masculine trait. We think it's like having power over other people. So even some of the most powerful women, if you ask them, are you powerful? They know to refrain from saying, no, they don't want to own power. They're like, no, I'm not powerful. I'm, I'm just like everyone else. We're trained to think that that's the way we're supposed to behave. We should want to be powerful because as you know, I'm, I'm into women's empowerment and equality, right? We should be in an equal world, but we're not. Who's in power? It's not equal right now. We need, we need women who want to be powerful. And so we need to kind of reframe what power is. And really it's our love is our power. We should want to harness our love, fill up with self-love and stop the drain so we can be more powerful because when we are, we have way more to give to everyone else. It's actually the opposite of selfishness and narcissism. It yes, is, yes. it's powerful because when we're powerful, we can impact our, not just our families. We've got more to give, like what I'm doing now. I'm so much more full of power than I've ever been. And I'm giving back in greater ways than I could ever give if I were drained all the time. You're not exhausting your, your reason. Exactly. Now, yeah. It's funny. It's funny that you say that because I remember in the book, you wrote a whole thing about how like women don't ask for raises the way men do because. Mm-hmm or they don't apply for jobs because they think they have to meet a hundred percent of the requirements or like you said, men are like 80% generally. 60%. Like like if they go, Oh, I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. They believe in themselves and their capabilities. Us women have this perfectionism. We think that perfectionism is good. And so we limit ourselves and our ability or our, what we can do in the workplace by thinking we have to be perfect, which we don't. You know, it's funny. I, I was, when I wrote this down in my notes, like when I talked to him, I said, I don't do well with compliments. And I know this about myself and I'm a notorious self deprecator. And I realize I do that to make others feel better. But then I, sometimes I get reactions from people. I can see they're like taken aback when I do that. And I'm like, I'm trying to make you feel better. Yeah. And why am I doing? And so why they, are you doing that? Yeah. Exactly. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to stop. I'm going to try to stop. I know it's not going to happen, but it's I'm hard. Gonna, Hard. It's something I've always done. I just don't take compliments very well. I'm not, you know. Um, I was the same, but you know what? It's about reprogramming. A lot of this is yeah. becoming conscious of these unconscious behaviors that we have that somehow we formed a belief that said, if I do this, then I'll be liked, or yeah. if I do this, then I'll fit in, or whatever. And then you just to to break it. I talk about this a lot. You know, like you said earlier. You know, self love and self care are very very different. How I would define the difference is self-care. Yes, you, everyone should practice self-care. I'm a huge fan. I practice it all the time. Yep. Do it. But self-love 
often means the hard work. It means discomfort and sometimes even pain, like breaking your own heart if you have to leave a a situation where you're really attached. Um, But I also break down in the book about understanding love and the dopamine release and how you know, understanding that what that is. I said that to someone like that women, you, you mentioned how if a relationship, if you're getting butterflies and that nervousness feeling, and every, that's actually not good. It's not good. <laughs> it's it not means good. you're anxious. It means you're not secure in the relationship. Yeah. There's, there's uh, that, I mean, the professionals, I learned that from the pros. I was, it was shocking to me when I learned that. I was like, oh, I always thought that was a good thing. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Come to find out you should actually feel none of those after date one, two, three, you should not feel that those butterflies anymore. Cause if you are, it means there's these ups and downs, highs and lows. You're in for a roller coaster ride. Yeah. 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 Yep. Exactly. Okay. So here's my next question. How does a mother learn to like herself, put herself before her children? It seems so counterintuitive. Does, doesn't it? Yeah, that's, that was the hardest one. I have to tell you, I struggled writing the book a certain parts because yeah. I was just putting myself out there. These are things that I had to learn on my own, but it's like, you know, we all worry about people pleasing and, and gaining external validation. Will someone judge me? Will someone, you know, I had to let all that go and just be me and put it out there because I know it's just, it's, we don't talk about these things, right? Especially as parents, we just, we want to make everything look like we're doing the best job that we can. Right. And, and I was doing as best as I can, but truly, you know, I had to learn that me making my needs and my goals and my aspirations in life a priority were extremely important. I dealt with the mom guilt, just like everyone else. I had to look at that hard and go, I'm feeling guilty because I'm, you know, working long hours and I have to commute to work. So it wasn't me, but you know what? He had his dad and actually his dad was more of the stay at home. Like he was home a lot more and he, he was able to do all those things. He had a parent doing it. And I had to let go of the guilt because even if he had one parent doing it, what what would matter if it was me or his dad? Honestly, like what's the difference? It's some, it's guilt is this. Oh, I got to tell you something. I don't know if you found this out in the book, but, um, or you remember reading this, uh, because again, only, you can only comprehend so many things, like so much just coming at you, right, but like, right. you know, I, you I don't share know a lot, you share a lot of your, like your stories, your life. I do. I do. What was really eye opening to learn about guilt was that guilt is not necessarily an indication you're doing something wrong as moms and as women in general, even if you're not a mom, we let guilt drive a lot of our behavior, which is what I talk about, are one of the saboteurs of Mm self-love. So we think, oh, let's say, for example, you might want to try practicing some true, like some self-love and say, you know what, I'm going to say, I'm going to say no to this friend because I feel like saying no, like that's what I feel. My power container feels good to to look out for me. And I'm going to go with that. The feeling of guilt will creep in Yep, like the feeling of mom guilt that I had. And what that does is guilt actually isn't an indication you're doing something wrong. Guilt is an indication that you're breaking a pattern, like a programmed behavior. And so, you know, so example, as a mom, it's like, oh, I was used to doing this for my son. Now I'm back at work and now I have to focus on that. The guilt kicks in because I'm not doing what I, you know, whatever I was conditioned to do. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we need to give into the guilt. It's just trying to keep us in our lane. So, you know, that's why I say self-love is very uncomfortable at times. And sometimes painful because you have to break from those discomfort, you know, you have to deal with the discomfort to choose yourself, break through that. Because on the other side, you will feel amazing 
I can attest to that. You're going to be more happy. You'll be more successful. You do all these things. You have to get past that guilt. The guilt doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. So basically you got to shake off the fear, dead weight, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, which I'm going to ask about in a minute. Well, you know what? I'll go, I'll jump to this one. So how do we cut off an energy vampire? We all know a few of them. Yep. I've had to do that multiple times. Um, you know, I tried with one particular, I talk about this one person in the book who I try to confront her. Like at some point I realized this is just uh, not good. Right. And so I, I it was like, I need to confront her and tell her, set my boundaries. That's really what I was trying to do. It's like, here's my boundaries. You've been stepping all over my boundaries and I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. But I I thought our our friendship was stable, right? I thought, well, we've known each other for a ton of years, like a decade or more. And I'm like, yeah, we can work through this because you think that's what a good friend would do. She couldn't handle it. She couldn't handle it because of energy vampire. It's all about them, right? They're not going to- Yep. Yeah. They're yep. not going to come around. And then that's a shock. It's a shock to the system when you're like, damn, I just, I just it's spent 10 so- years with somebody that could care a lot, you know? Yeah. 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 It sucks. But then yeah. you realize, well, I'm not doing that again. Never doing that again. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that story very well in your book. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what I do is, you know, there are two situations actually I talk about one where I didn't even give her the opportunity to come around where I just kind of ghosted. I was like, you know what? This is an old connection from high school. Why do I even pick up the phone? I get nothing out of this. She's draining me. Uh, she doesn't care what's happening in my life. She glosses over it. Doesn't give a crap about any of my successes that I share. She no, no support or congrats, you know, there's none of that. And I'm like, she doesn't care. It's all about her. And what happens if I don't, respond to her next call. And so I didn't. And again, tuning into the power container, it felt really good. I'm like, hmm, I think I'll just keep this a permanent disconnection. And that felt great. I never once regretted it. Like that's your sign. Right. And then with the other one where it was, a, uh, you know, we knew each other, we'd been in each other's lives quite often at the point where I confronted her. I did want to think that we had the ability to, um, to move on. If I just set my boundaries, made it clear, can't treat me like this. You can't talk to me like this. You have no right to barge in on my life like this. And she just couldn't handle it. And it was like, you know what? Mm. And then she showed her true self and started bad mouthing me to friends. And it was like, we're not in high school and I don't need this. And I'm just going to let that go. I say yeah. that so much. I'm like, this is so high school. Oh my mm. God. And, I, mm. and I'm way too old for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it's worth it. It's worth it. It is. No, it is. I mean, I think that that's actually easier. It's the problem when it's family, like you were able to do it, but that's, that's it's really hard. hard. It's hard. Cause you know, they say you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. So yeah, that's tough. You know, that's that's tough. tough. It yeah. is. We all have, there's always somebody in the family that's toxic always. Yeah. Everybody's got one or more yeah. at, least, at least. So here's my next question. What are some signs you are lacking self-love? Uh, well, it's, you know, are you able to set your boundaries is a big one. That was my, you know, that was the biggest challenge I had, even up until not too long ago, it was still, I was really good about setting the big boundaries, but the small ones where we feel like I I call this the nice girl syndrome. Mm -hmm. A lot of, uh, I think every woman suffers from what I call nice girl syndrome, which is we have learned to abandon how we truly feel to make someone else more comfortable. Yep. Yep. And, yep. 
Right. And so we think, you know, we're supposed to make them like us, number one. And number two, we don't want to make them feel bad. And so what we do is we abandon ourselves in the process. And, um, and so what I try, so, you know, just imagine like, I'll give you a recent example. And this isn't just girls, by the way, guys have some guys, there are some guys out there who also have nice guy syndrome. So any guy listening, you know, can apply to you too. So let's, so my boyfriend and I were recently at a restaurant. We'd love to sit at the bar, sitting at the bar and this guy sitting next to him started chatting with us, which is great. I mean, that's one of the things that happens when you sit at the bar and sometimes it's a nice conversation, but this man was drunk and he even said it, I'm hammered, whatever. And he starts going, and you know, it's fine to have a chat for a minute, but like we hadn't seen each other in many, many days. He has um, kids at home and still, and at that time I hadn't met the kids and, you know, so he had to do his daddy duty. And so when we had our time together, it was precious, right? So we came, we went there to have spend some quality time together. And this guy just starts sucking up our time, right? And he's talking about not even anything good. It was like, I went to the strip club, but we were doing cocaine and oh my God. I'm, I'm gay, but I hired a hooker for the first time. I'm like, what the hell kind of conversation is this? <laughs> this is not what I came to spend my time and energy on, right? Again, exactly. like this, yeah. I'm, uncom- I'm uncomfortable. This is not making me happy. This is my time and energy, which I highly value. And so my boyfriend being the nice guy didn't stop it, right? And so I stepped in and set my boundary very clearly. I was like, I go, Hey, you know what? Um, I, I said it nicely. Cause you can be strict and firm, but with people like that, you have to be super firm. And I was like, um, I go respectfully, sir, we came to spend time together. I haven't seen my amazing boyfriend for over five days now. So I'd appreciate you that if you let us get to our dinner together. Yep. Very, very how, how did he take it? It was drunk was like, anyway. He wasn't going to remember it. He was never going to remember it, right? <laughs> but he goes, and then he starts telling us what to do. Oh, you guys should spend time talking together. And I was like, oh. uh, I was like, let's just ignore him, whatever. And then the bartender's like, sir, you need to leave. Like, he literally. Oh, good. Yeah. But you, but you also tell the story of like the guy that kept putting his arm, like not respecting yes. your personal space and putting mm-hmm. his touching you. Yeah. I mean, so I, let me just tell you, my boyfriend turned to me and he had tears in his eyes. He says, Jenna, no one's ever done that for me. Like I feel so loved and special. And you just also taught me something that, you know, I, I I was, I was uncomfortable with conversation. I'm letting this guy just suck the life out of me, you know? Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. So like we can, so anyway, it's not, I just want to mention that, you know, it's, if, if this story is resonating with you, something that you could take as a takeaway is a reframe that I like to talk about called it's I'm not being mean. Cause that's what we worry about, right? We worry right. that if I stand up for my boundaries, I'm going to come off as mean and I'm going to hurt someone's feeling. Actually think about it like this. I'm not being mean. I'm being nice to myself. There you go. You're saying mean, I'm saying people might think you're a bitch. You know bitch. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Which I'm not being a bitch. Right. I'm yep. being nice to myself. Yep. That's it. I'm being nice to myself. Your relationship with yourself is what matters most. There is this situation right. actually not too far from that restaurant where I was sitting at the bar. I talk about this in the book, as you mentioned. Right. And this guy who knew like uh, mutual friends, right? So that's actually, this is really important because this is when we get, our boundaries really can get crossed. This is with people we know. You now want to make, again, you're taking care of their feelings. And also you don't 
you don't want to get bad word out to your other friends, like, oh, Jen is a bitch or whatever. Right, and so, right. so this guy, I had said something to him and he felt like he had some kind of leeway with me because we did have these mutual connections. And so he comes next to me and he puts his hand, this guy, by the way, is gross. Like he's a disgusting guy, you know? So like, I mean, I'm just like, oh, like he put his hand on the lower part of my back, like as if he was my boyfriend or something. Yeah, that's, that's intimate, right? Right. And to signal, I think to the other dudes, hey, you know, I'm staking my claim here. Gross, right? Gross. And so I was like, I go nicely, right? This is the nice girl syndrome. But I tried, I'm trying my best and- Anyone listening now, that's all we can do is try our best. If you can't get it right the first time, forgive yourself, give yourself compassion, you know, and that's what I had to do when, like I said, this has been one of the biggest hurdles that I've had to overcome is learning to set my boundaries. I was nice to him, put on the smiley face, the nice girl face, trying to set my boundaries. Hey, you know, (laughs) I'm not your girlfriend. So please don't, you know, touch me like I am. And he's like, oh, okay. And he pulled his hand away minute or two later, that hand was right back there again. And that is, you know, again, that's why I had to learn to be with people like that. You know, you go firmly, you know, I should have said, Hey, get your hands off. That's not cool. Like if I did the slap across the mental slap across the face, he would have gotten it. Like that would have stopped it. And I have every right to protect myself like that. It's my body, my space. And anyway, so I left when he left, he had to leave. So I didn't have, I was like furiously, furiously thinking, how do I handle this? What do I do? Like, I I I couldn't figure it out. He leaves. Thankfully you had to do something. And I was like, I got home and I thought about it because I was feeling icky. Icky. Yep. Tuning into the power container. I was like, drain some of your power. It was taking space. Yep. He did. He he took some of my power from me and I let it happen. That was my power. And I let it happen. So I had to think, well, how can I better handle that the next time? And that's the best we can really do in times like that when we're especially bred to be people pleasers. Yep. We're not used to setting boundaries. It's hard work and it can take years. So you've got to practice a lot of self-forgiveness and compassion with yourself. But go home, replay the situation in your mind. You know, if it's a situation where it's a dude you went on a date with or someone you went on a date with and you felt left feeling icky, I just block them. Oh yeah. I called it. I used to call that the ick. And if the guy gave me the ick, you were done. Like you can't move past the ick. You you can't, you can't recover from the ick. I always said, but if you block, (laughs) do what you got to do to get your power back. It's your power. Fill up that power container, get back to feeling good. That's what you got to focus on. Yep. So how can we start committing to ourselves today? Like you're saying, kind of take baby steps, forgive yourself. If you have like relapses, it's, you know, it's not, you're not going to come out of the gate winning a hundred percent of the time. So definitely not. Yeah. What do you say about like what we can start, like what baby steps or what can we start? Like, let's say somebody hasn't read your book yet, which by the way they should do, but if they haven't, like, what can they start committing to themselves today? Starting today? Yeah. Just like, look, remember that it's about loving yourself more, right? You've got to love yourself more. You can love yourself, but think about loving yourself more when your boss says, Uh, you know, can you work late and you really wanted to go to your spin class and you've been working 12, 14 hour days. Like I know a lot of people who do, I've got friends who I'm like, why are you doing this to yourself? It's your time, your energy. You're not going to get paid more or less. Stand up for yourself because when you stop letting that doormat treatment happen, they respect you more. Yeah. They respect you more for it. Oh, wait, talk about the coffee. I love this. 
<laughs> that's the best story. I love that. Share that one. Cause that's, kind oh of my God. that's sort of, yeah, it is. It yeah. is. So this is the self-love y'all applies in the workplace. It applies in parenthood it applies in relationships, everything. Right. And so I go into those various areas of our lives in the book and the workplace is really important too. So I had uh, just gotten a job at a Silicon Valley uh, company, a tech uh, consulting firm. I was like one or two months in. I'm definitely the newbie. I was hired as a biz dev exec um, to work with large, large firms. And, uh, but I was new to the tech field. So I'm like excited about it, right? Super excited as you would be in a new field. I was like, yeah, you make good money in tech. Yay. So I, uh, so our company had just been acquired before I started by this company in India. So the new president is coming in for the very first time flying in from India and he's meet, joining us at our Monday morning meeting for the first time. So we're all in the conference room. He's sitting at the head of the table. I sit next to him on one side. My boss sits on the other side. He's the VP. One of my colleagues who has the same position as I do sat right next to him. And me and the president are chatting for just like a minute, just getting to know each other before the meeting starts. And then he turns to me and he's like, Jenna, it'd be really nice to have some coffee right about now. Wouldn't, wouldn't you like some coffee? And I was like, no, thanks. I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't drink coffee this time of day. Like if I do, I'll, you know, yeah, it's not good. yeah I'm, I can't. And so um, my boss, literally his mouth was just like gaping open, like staring at me, jaw, why, I swear to you. It was like, and I'm like, what? Like, I'm so clueless. I'm like, what is going on? And my colleague, Mike, who's sitting next to him says, Jenna, I know you love Starbucks. Like, wouldn't you like a Starbucks right now? And I'm like, no, truthfully, I will. I'm trying to convince them how much I will be awake all night if I have coffee. Right, like, right. Thanks, but I'm going to pass, you know? Right. And uh, I mean, it was just like silence, like silence for me. So we went on, the meeting went on, no one got coffee. After the meeting, I go to my cubicle. My colleague, Mike, comes over. He's like, Jenna, would you do me a favor and show me how to work the coffee machine in the break room? And I'm like, I, I don't I have no idea how to work that thing. I've never made coffee here. When I come in, the coffee's made. I've never, like, you know. And I'm just like, what is thinking to myself? Like, what is going on with the coffee with the today? Coffee, this like, is, yeah, right. I don't want coffee. I don't have a need for coffee. Why is everyone coming to me with coffee? What the? Right. So I go to my boss's office at the end of the day, you know, didn't give this thing a second thought. I just like going to go home, say goodnight. The president is at his desk, like sitting across from him at his desk, you know, and they're both sitting and I'm standing in the doorway in my suit and everything. And uh, the president kind of cranes up his neck and he's looking up to me and he's like, no, Jenna, I really look up to you. Literally. That's, those were the words that came out of his mouth. And I'm like, huh, must be because I'm wearing heels. Right, right, because I'm standing taller than you are. Yeah. <laughs> You're sitting, I, sitting, right? I laughed and we giggled and you know, I said goodnight and I leave right. and I'm like, this is a really bizarre day. I'm like thinking about it and I go, and I'm like thinking and thinking and I'm like, oh my God, these guys totally wanted me to go get them coffee. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And they expected it. They totally, totally expected it. And when it never occurred to me to go get them coffee because they wanted coffee and I didn't, they, I got respect. Yep. I got respect. And I'll tell you after that, they're like, Oh, give Jenna the Cisco account, you know, like the big, the big one, you know, I, it was like, I was now capable all of a sudden because I had self-respect. It was just phenomenal how that whole thing works. So yep. very interesting. And that's why I talk about this in the book. Like 
as women, we have to, you know, love ourselves more than our bosses. We have to have the self-respect. Whatever we have for ourselves is what gets reflected on the outside world. We have the self-worth, we get the worthiness on the outside. We have the self-value, we get valued more. The more we respect ourselves, the more we are respected by our colleagues and our bosses, and they'll give us more projects and we'll get pay raises and more promotions. And I, I have other stories I share in the book about that as well, about friends I know who had extreme success by just simply taking that moment to stand up for themselves. And it changed everything, everything. Yep. yep. Asking for yeah. that raise, uh, you know, just yeah. do it. If you can prove that you're of worth, then ask for it. I agree. Um, so how, how do we turn off our inner critic and instead cheer ourselves on? Because you say, like, we have to be our own cheerleaders. We can't count on others yeah. you know, for that. We have yes. to do ourselves. So how can we do that? How do we I turn off that inner critic that we, we all have it, you know, and that, that's the it. voice. You know, sometimes you're saying like, give your, you know, give yourself self-love, those positive messages, but come on, we've all been programmed to have that inner critic that's like, you're stupid, you're, you know, fat, you're, you know, the things that we would never, ever say to our friends, we say to ourselves. Yes, we are, we are so horrible to ourselves, right? Yep. Yep. The things we say to ourselves, we would never imagine saying to anyone else. Yep. Why is it okay for us to treat ourselves that way? Yep, I just comes up all the time. Yeah, but you know how many guests I've talked to this about? We call it the mean girl syndrome. We mean yeah, ourselves. Right. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up because this is one of, this is huge. You know, it's, um, I learned how to sit, uh, silence the inner critic by accident by starting to embrace my inner cheerleader. It was really cool to di- dissect how that happened. And I talk about this in the book. I'm a huge fan of it now. I used to be that person who never, uh, um, celebrated my successes. I didn't even celebrate my own birthday. I was just not into it. I was, I, I was thinking of it selfish or whatever, narcissistic right, right. and all that. I am a complete 180 on that now because, um, what I learned just actually through playing, it was started with playing tennis. I talk about my tennis game and how I came yes, to this do. epiphany. Yep. It was a game changer for me. I was beating myself up. I was ready to quit. I would have lost that game with my inner critic saying, Jenna, give up, give up you're sucking. She's better than you. You're hot. You're hungry. You're thirsty. Like just, it'll be easier. Life will be easier. But I had this, I, I knew I'd feel better if I won just because I knew that if, you know, when we accomplish things, we do feel good about ourselves. Right. It's just, yeah. even if it's a simple thing as a competitive tennis game and it was a league game and I did want to win because that would have kept me playing in the playoffs. So I started to notice when I was like, I would hit a ball. I would hit a, a point in. And if I just stopped to recognize that and say, good job, Jenna, you did a good job. Good, sir. That was really good. I'm playing this in my head. That was freaking great. And you know what? I, I talk about the story in the book. We had a four freaking hour tennis game in the 85 degree heat. I didn't have enough food. I didn't have enough water. I was exhausted. I wanted to go home, but I was ready to give up. And I changed that script by the inner dialogue in my head. I went on to win that game because, and it was shocking to look back and see that I could have, I had two choices to make, right? I could listen to that inner critic who was going to drain me, or I could power myself up with my inner cheerleader. And the power of that game changed my life forever. I I took that same philosophy to my daily practice. I send out, if I send out an email that I've been wanting to send, I pat myself on the back. Great job, Jenna. You sent out that email. If I make a nice dinner and I'm pleased with how it turned out, 
I take a moment, I stop and I recognize it and I appreciate myself for doing it. If I do big things like writing this book, you better bet I'm having a massive celebration party and I'm spending money and investing in myself because I'm worth it, that celebration. Are you wearing the ring that you bought yourself? Yes, I'm wearing it right now. This is it. I don't oh, I love that. So she, I love, oh, it's beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Self a ring that now you can look at it and it's a love to yourself ring basically. And it's a forever ring, right? Because I gave it to myself, not someone else giving it to me. And I love that commitment. That's part of committing to yourself too. It's right. Right. It's like taking responsibility for your own happiness saying I'm in this long-term relationship with myself and I'm going to be my best partner. I'm going to cheerlead myself on I'm going to give myself all the things that I've been conditioned to think that someone else should give me. I'm going to be that for me. I love it. Wait. Okay. So, so we're, uh, we're cause I like to keep, I could talk to you all day because I, I read all, all the pages and, and anyway, but I, we discussed that I would do this at the end. So you talk about your notorious IWG and that mm. is your inner warrior goddess. Okay. Mm. And all that she stands for. So it's sort of, this is sort of a little bit of a synopsis of the things that you discuss in this book, but it's sort of like putting it together at the end. And I found it to be very powerful. So it's sort of, you said, I've come to describe my love journey as embracing my inner warrior goddess. She's still me, but she's part of the me that is the epitome of all my self-love. I find it helpful to envision her, especially during times that challenge me and a commitment to my self-love journey. So let's see what she stands for. I'm going to just read off, but I I highlighted the ones that, okay. She says no when she feels like saying no. She has zero reservations about recognizing and setting her boundaries. She isn't focused just on pleasing others without ensuring that she is also pleasing herself every single day. Mm. She communicates her needs. She doesn't look to others for any kind of validation as long as she is happy with herself and her life. That's all that matters. She knows not everyone will like her. She knows it's not a reflection of her if she doesn't like her, everyone herself, and that's okay. She embraces her inner cheerleader and tells her inner critic to take a hike. Love that. If something or someone is making her feel bad or even just not good, she recognizes that as her cue to stand up and fight for herself. Yes, it's a battle, but that's okay because she's a warrior ready to fight for herself. No one else is going to. It's her responsibility. She cares about her health and fitness. She takes care of herself. And that makes her feel good. She does it for herself, not for any external validation. She is financially independent and sets herself up to never have to have money as an unnecessary stress in her life. She is compassionate with herself. She forgives others. She doesn't hold on to anger and resentment as she knows the only person anger and resentment hurts is herself. She says goodbye to toxic relationships forever. She says hello to relationships she chooses consciously. She doesn't allow people into her life who bring her down and don't lift her up. Now, this isn't even all of them. I just highlighted mm. them. She remembers that good enough is good enough. Yeah. Your inner warrior goddess has always been a part of you. She's sitting there waiting for you to embrace her and make her a bigger part of your life. Let's fill the world with new, a new breed of warrior goddesses and watch our planet become a better place for all. Oh, amen. Amen. <laughs> I loved that. It's really, it's really a great book. And I think that it, it gives, it gives us permission to put ourselves first, Yeah, you know, yeah. and not just permission. It gives you kind of like the, the tools, the, the guide, the, you know, and you, you also say that you journal, Yeah, you do meditation. I mean, it's, it's, it's everything. It's, 
It's yeah. wow. It's, it's really, and I was telling you earlier that this is sort of a common thread lately with my guests lately. Some of them, some of these have aired already. Some I've already recorded and they're waiting to be published, but this is a very common thread that women, especially in midlife, I think, you know, we've got to, well, we should be doing this at a younger age. And I think if we yeah. have daughters, not that I have daughters, but if women can teach their daughters to do this earlier, what a great place we would live in. Mm. Wouldn't that be amazing? Mm. It's all amazing. I can't even imagine. I, I, I can't imagine. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there'd be more equality because we'd be yeah. demanding it. And yeah. we'd, we'd, we'd feel we deserve it. Yeah. And we'd, we'd kind of switch from this patriarchal masculine way of approaching work, which, and everything there's, there's a huge backlash happening right now. And I really feel like if we have more feminine energy in power, we'd be saving our planet better. I don't understand. Like, why do we have things like single use plastic when there are alternatives, like who's in charge and why is this happening still? We're, you know, we can't even stop the global warming now at this point. Like, why can't we just say, take the freaking hit and let's get rid of our gas cars and switch to electric now, like make it a mandate. Let's take the financial hit for our kids. Like, yeah, I know. I know, but I just interviewed someone. This one is a, a, a guy who's talking about plastics and he was saying like the, the stuff that we recycle isn't even being used. It's so I imagine like so I was sad. even thinking about this the other day, like the boxes we throw away that have plastic tape on them. I highly doubt those get recycled because once you put the plastic tape on it, it's no longer recyclable. Yeah, I know. So it's, like it's, we think we're doing good, but how much good are we really doing? Uh, I know. But I think I think in our minds, we're like, oh, we did what we're supposed to do. We put mm-hmm. things in the right container and now it's out the door and we don't think about it. Again. Yeah. You know, yeah, but what's really happening. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been great. I, 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 I really implore women to read this book. I love me more. How to find happiness and success through self-love by Jenna Banks. I really did read it from cover to cover. There was so much to learn in here and things that I think, you know, have forever touched me and will change me. You know, if I don't embrace yeah. it a little bit, I'm going to, I'm going to try, but I've already made changes because I'm, you know, I read it, I'm conscious of it. And as I always say, once I read something and I learn something new, I can't unlearn it. And it just, yeah. Matter, right. Yeah. So, knowledge is power. Knowledge, yeah. I always say knowledge is power and you're never too old to start, uh, to know things, to learn things, to start changing. This doesn't have to be, you don't have to, you're not stuck where you are right now for the rest of your life. It's up to you to change it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? I would just say anyone listening, you know, you are worth your time and energy and effort. You're worth loving yourself more, you know, give it a try. You know, if you don't read the book, connect with me on social media. You can, uh, you can oh, yeah. my website, jenna-banks.com is the best place to go because you'll see, you can read some stuff. I even give away a free chapter in my book if you want to sign up for that and kind of get a little peek of it yourself uh, to test the waters first. But, you know, even you just follow on social media. I've got, I'm on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, all of that wait, stuff. And your, your Instagram is, it's Jenna Banks, wait, it's two point, was it? At Jenna Banks point oh. Yeah. Point oh. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Point oh. <laughs> point oh. See, I'm glad you said that. Um, and your podcast is? It's the Jenna Banks Show. So it's go. a video series that um, is on YouTube. And I am all about helping you live life to your fullest potential. So I have some amazing guests on there. Just like you do, Lauren. We're, all, we're very much on a similar trajectory. We're just trying to give back in a way that helps women and you know, lift people up and helps them live a better life, right? Yeah, that's, I, that's what I hope for all of us. 
you know, definitely, especially, definitely. If, especially if the first half wasn't so great, why not change it? You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's never too late. It's never too late. And I think, I think that what really I find is people, you think you're stuck, you know, and I think it really takes a lot of balls for lack of a better word to like, mm. just say, I'm not doing this anymore and I'm yeah. going to change it. And you'll probably be happier for it. You just got to like, trust your gut, trust the gut. But the final takeaway would be what I mentioned earlier, which is be willing to go through a bit of discomfort Mm -hmm. and a little bit of pain to make some tough decisions that are going to be in your best interest because you are worth it. But be willing to go through that. We're so averse to pain and discomfort, but that's what keeps us in the status quo. So if you're not happy with the status quo, got to do the work. Got it. Nothing, nothing good comes easy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Is easy. Well, thank yeah. you so much. I really, thank really appreciate sure. it. Jenna. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on and thank oh. you for reading my book and spreading the message. I appreciate of course. It. I, I, I'm, I already know I'm giving this as a gift to some people. So Aww, uh, thanks so much. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. I have a new pro aging podcast bi-weekly. So please contact Lauren at fountainof30.com for sponsorship opportunities. Take care, everyone. And remember to love yourself more. Bye, everyone. Bye.